as you may have noticed, uh, we have a holiday we're going to be celebrating this week, Thanksgiving. And I, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but not really, because it seems as though we kind of just skip over Thanksgiving these days. Oh, yeah, we'll have the turkey and the football, but the meaning of it seems to get lost, especially since we start seeing Christmas stuff show up in the stores in August. And uh, so we have Halloween, and then we have Christmas. And there's this other thing in between where we have a Thanksgiving dinner or a turkey dinner, and that's about all it is. But... Um, I, I really think that today, after we take a look today at what the Bible has to say about Thanksgiving, it's going to be so uh, clear to you that this is not about a holiday, but about a life of thankfulness that makes such a difference and that we can't afford to just skip over it. We can't afford just to, uh, you know, let it be just another day on the calendar. Anyway... Now, I thought that uh, I was done with this series of messages actually two weeks ago. Uh, originally, we began, and I, and I assumed that this would be three, three parts. We started because of the, the emphasis the Lord is giving in our church right now about prayer. I thought it was important for us to take a look at what Jesus had to say and teach about prayer. And we focused in on Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 11, where we find what is often referred to as the Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. And there, uh, along with that template or, or um, outline of prayer that Jesus gave his disciples, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, all that, there is surrounding that several other things that the Lord has to say about the subject of prayer in response to his disciples who asked him, Jesus, Show us how to pray like you do. Because everything that we've seen at the synagogue and the temple that scribes, Pharisees, and priests do is nothing like what we observe when you are in communion with your Father. We want that. Teach us. And Jesus said, okay, in this manner, therefore pray. He didn't mean for it to be a script that they read. He didn't mean for it to be a memorized prayer, not that that would be a bad thing, but he meant for them to learn some things about prayer through it. And I wanted to talk to you about, and we did, that first of all, prayer is an invitation, an invitation by Jesus to us to leave behind the religious scripted aspects of prayer and to focus in on relationship with him. He says, don't do this like the scribes and Pharisees who think they're going to impress me with their many words and all of that. Come into the secret place and have a relationship with me. And so it was an invitation to intimacy. But then he goes on, and, and in a few words, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. He begins to help us understand that prayer is also an inversion, where things that are upside down, backwards, inside out, twisted up, get straightened out in terms of how we think about God. And having those two things in place, a call to intimacy... And an understanding of God as our Father and the one who is over all things, who has an eternal perspective, then the Lord says, okay, now follow me into another aspect of prayer, which is that prayer is an invasion where we take the flag of the kingdom of God and plant it in the various venues of our life. Where your, the, the stages where your life get, gets lived out, God meant for us, Jesus meant when he was teaching his disciples to pray, for us to understand that what we're doing when we say, thy kingdom, o, thy kingdom come, is we are, un, we are inviting the reign of God into all of those venues of our lives. And that's where I thought we were going to be ending. And then I couldn't get away from what Luke chapter 11 adds to that, where it talks about 
prayer as an invocation. An invocation is a request for help or aid. We talked about that last week. And in fact, on the notes for the uh, audio and video podcasts from last week's message, I wrote fourth and final message in the series. And then I couldn't get away from this because I felt like the Lord had one more thing that we needed to talk about. And um, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to blame him for it, but uh, you know, I just, I couldn't let it go because prayer is also an imperative. An imperative is a critical requirement. A critical requirement. And as you're going to discover, thanksgiving is related to prayer in terms of how God wants us to understand praying as a critical requirement. Look at, as I've asked you to turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore I, the Apostle Paul is speaking. So now we're not reading about what Jesus was teaching of, uh, on prayer. We're actually reading the words of the Apostle Paul. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they have equal weight. He says, therefore... I exhort, or I encourage, or I invite you, first of all. Guys, highest priority here. Listen up. Highest priority, first of all. Of all the things I want to encourage you in, all the things I want to uh, invite you towards, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And he talks about three forms of prayer. Supplications. We've talked about these over the last few weeks. Supplications is when I'm requesting things of God for myself. And we spent a lot of time last week about that and, and, uh, and how important that is. And prayers, that's a word for how we just talk to God. And when it talks about intercessions, that's the form of prayer that is about other people or other things. When I'm praying for, uh, for you, I'm praying, in, I'm interceding for you. When I'm praying for what's going on in our world abroad and the issues and conflicts that are, you know, of political and geo, uh, ge geopolitical nature, I'm, I'm, I'm praying intercession for others, Okay. But then he says, along with this list of three types of prayers, supplications, um, prayers and intercessions, he says, with giving thanks. These are the first priority, he says. And so right there we get a clue that thanksgiving is not just something that flows from, you know, the moment of feeling a certain way about, uh, about having, you know, received a blessing or benefit or something. It's more than that. And I want to ask you now to turn to the book of Philippians. That's back a little ways in your, in your New Testaments to chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to read two verses there, verse 6 and 7. And I want to warn you. The first words that we're going to read in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 6, are very challenging. They're hard to hear. But listen close. Be anxious for nothing. I think I'll say it again because... <laughs> These are impactful words. Be anxious for no thing. How many of you know what it's like to be anxious? 
The rest of you are liars. <laughs> you know what it's like to be fearful, to have anxiety, to be challenged, to feel stress. God says to us through his word here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing. And I know that you're thinking what I think when I read that. How is that even possible? Come on. Really? To be anxious for no thing? How do you get through life like that? Listen, our God never commands anything of us that he also doesn't supply the means to fulfill it. Never. Never. How many of you would raise your hand now to say, I, if it were possible, I'd like that life? Yeah. Be anxious for nothing? Come on. I'd of course. Well, what follows here is the Lord himself, through the Apostle Paul, giving us the way that that can be true. That in my life and yours, we could actually live in a way where stress and concern and anxiety don't overtake us. So let's read on. Be anxious for nothing, but in, and please take note of those two letters, I-N, in, and notice that it's not for, it's not because of, but in. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. There's those words again. By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wow. The Lord is saying here that if I get this deal about thanksgiving and being thankful in, not for, not because of, but in everything, and I bring my request to him, this marvelous thing happens. Let's dig into that a little bit more this morning. Let's talk, first of all, again about his words, be anxious for nothing. Dear ones, if you haven't figured this out already, life is going to provide plenty of potential for anxiety. In fact, likely before this day is over, you're going to have an opportunity to be anxious, fearful, stressed out. It just happens. Some of those things that come our way are more challenging than others, but we live, we, we live in a world where not only do I supply plenty of opportunity myself by my foolishness, my poor choices, my sin, to create ang uh, anxious moments, stressed out things, but the world serves it up too. This broken world serves up plenty of opportunity for me to be anxious. And if that weren't enough, we have an enemy, the Bible says, only wants to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So... Watch out. We're going to have plenty of opportunities to be anxious. But we have, this scripture tells us, an option. Now, sometimes we're not aware of that. In fact, I would venture to say most of us are not aware of the fact when that thing presents itself that gives me the opportunity to be anxious, we just go there. Okay, I'm, I'll be anxious. We don't consider for a moment that there might be another option. But there is. 
We don't have to be ruled by anxieties, fears, and stresses. Jesus, through the Apostle Paul here in his word, gives us the clues as to how we could transform that, that whole scenario. Life is full of potential anxieties, but we have an option. He says, do this. Bring your requests to me. Bring your requests to me. We have an odd way of, of praying sometimes about these kinds of stressful things. It's like we, it's like we hold on to them and, and pretend we're giving them to God. Maybe I'm the only one who does that, I don't know. But I do that. I don't, it's like I don't really trust him with it, you know? It's so important and so big. It's like, you know, I got to hold on to this. I'll make a show of kind of inviting God to, to work in the midst of it. But the truth is, I'm holding on to it. He says, let your requests be made known to me. And the, the force of that, the thrust of that is that I bring it to him. His word says, cast your cares upon me. For I care for you. Casting your care upon him, for he cares for you, is the exact wording of that verse. Cast your care on him. Not holding on. It's kind of scary. It requires trust. But he can be trusted, dear one. He can be trusted. And oh, what a difference it makes. When faced with an opportunity to be anxious and fearful and stressed out and challenged, I choose instead to hand that off to the only one, by the way, who can do anything about it. And the one who longs to on our behalf. Be anxious for nothing. Let your requests be made known to me. We need God's help, but we are invited by him to bring our concerns to him. And he says to do that with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving. So we bring him these challenges, these uh, potentially anxiety-producing scenarios. We leave them with him with thanksgiving in everything. Not because of, not for, but in. There's a huge distinction there. Now, when I come to the Lord and I, and I give him these burdens, these cares, these concerns that I have, and then I begin to thank him in the midst of that, it's not to kiss up to him. You know, it's not to get on his good side. It's not to somehow grease the skids for God to help me that I, you know, thank you, Lord, for causing me to lose my job this week. I really, you know, I trust you. And, you know, it's as though we're trying to get on God's good side about that. No, it's not about that. And it's not neither about living in denial. You know, I've heard people say, you know, yes, I am. I just received a prognosis of terminal cancer yesterday. Hallelujah. Huh? Come on. No, that's not, that, that's sort of a warped understanding of, of what thankfulness is. And in fact, when I attempt to thank God for something he is not giving me, it's a perversion. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. And so when I'm doing what a lot of people do, they'll, they'll say, well, 
you know, yeah, my, my life is miserable, but God must be doing something bigger. I'm going to trust him for it. The things that are causing you misery are not from God. And so to ascribe him the, as the source of that, to thank him for those things is a perversion. It's really wickedness. God is not asking for us to thank him for things that we've caused ourselves or the enemy is forcing on us. He's asking us to thank him in the midst of that. In the midst of that. You know the story of my, many of you do, of my wife's um, uh, amazing uh, miracle with regard to cancer. She just had a CT scan again this week. They schedule her for those periodically. Again, clear, clean. But you know, when we came up to the, to the uh, date of her test, um, I think it was, I think it was uh, last weekend, or just before last weekend, um, there was an opportunity for us to be anxious because we have had those times when she has gone in for that scan and they've said, well, we see cancer again. And uh, she, uh, so, you know, the honest truth is we come to God and we say, God, we know that cancer isn't from you. But the truth is that we're a little bit nervous right now, a little bit anxious. What we want to do is leave with you this care and concern. We bring it to you, Lord. And standing in the midst of this uncertainty, standing in the midst of this potentially devastating news we may receive from the phone at any minute, we choose to thank you. Thank you that you're bigger than this cancer. Thank you that you're, the bigger, that you're greater and more powerful than any prognosis any physician could ever give us. Thank you, Lord, that you care and you, you uh, can be trusted with everything in our lives. We thank you in this situation. Not for it, not because of it, but in the middle of it. Oh, how that strips the enemy of his arsenal of attack against us. It changes the, it changes the um, soundtrack of your life. Instead of, you know, moving through your day with this noise about what you ought to be fearful about, what you ought to be anxious about, you start to begin to find yourself moving through, navigating life with a different tune. Not that I am dictating the outcomes, but that I trust the Lord, whatever the outcome is. However this turns out, it will be good. It will be directly as a result of his love for me. And I can trust him with that. It starts to change the way you move through life. You remember when, I, actually I think this is probably more important than even the rest of that. When I am thankful to God, it places into his hands something he can multiply uh, in the scenarios of my life. Some, it gives him something to work with as he uh, responds to the stuff that's facing me. Remember Jesus, on one occasion, uh, Matthew 15 tells us about this, but he, was, he had been preaching or teaching 
to thousands, multitudes. There was, the Bible says specifically, there were 4,000 men, not counting women and children. So if you add them in, you're easily at a probably 10,000 uh, person um, congregation there that he's, he's teaching. And it gets late in the day, and they, don't, they uh, are far from uh, their homes. And so the Lord says, you know, we got to feed these people. And he's presented with, you could easily skip over this and think of it um, in terms of how it ends up. And most of you know that he took seven loaves and fed that multitude. You could easily just jump to the end of the story. But the, what I want you to see is at the beginning of the story, Jesus was facing an opportunity to be anxious, just like you and me. You know what it's like to come to the end of your month. You got 10,000 reasons why the seven loaves that you have are not going to pay all the bills. You know what that's like. The Lord was facing a situation where he had the option to be anxious. You know what he did instead? The Bible says he thanked the Father, he offered thanks. Now, we don't have the record of what he said, so I, I can't say for sure, but I'll bet you he didn't say, thank you, Heavenly Father, for the fact that we have only seven loaves of bread to feed 10,000 people. I'll bet he didn't say that. I'll bet it went something like this. Thank you, Father. That was seven loaves. You can feed 10,000 people if you want to. Thank you, Lord, that there isn't anything that faces, that faces us right now in terms of this obstacle that's greater than your power. Thank you, Lord, that I can trust you with this situation. And then he took what he had, started breaking it into pieces, gave it to the disciples, and they in turn passed it around to people. Everybody was fed to the full, and they collected seven baskets of leftovers. But it began by him thanking God and changing the soundtrack of that event. Changed the whole complexion of that goes on here in Philippians chapter 4 verses 6 and 7 to say that when we have brought our requests to the Lord with thanksgiving this amazing thing this amazing thing happens the peace of God begins to guard my heart the peace that passes understanding this is critical to our our, our um, uh, study this morning getting this, that it's a peace that passes understanding. All right, Dominic, let's say tomorrow you win the lottery. I'll bet you Tuesday morning you're going to be down at Bart saying, see ya, right? <laughs> and likely there's going to be a purchase of a home in Maui or someplace like that and a hammock involved in, the, in this dream, right? Okay, so if that's the case, you could understand, you could comprehend that lottery winnings, Maui house, uh, you know, hammock equals peace. But we're talking about a peace that doesn't equal what's on the other side of the equal sign. Over here we have diagnosis of cancer. Over here we have, uh, you know, a a lost job. Over here we have a wrecked car. Over here, what, you fill in the, not enough money for the, to pay the bills. Over here you have all of this stuff equals peace. 
It doesn't add up except in God's economy, in God's kingdom. We have a peace that passes understanding. It doesn't add up. I have been three times uh, in a surgical waiting room, not sure that I would see my wife alive again, and found that the peace of God was there. The peace of God was there. Because the Bible says it builds like a fortress around your heart. And the longer that you begin to walk this path of bringing your requests to the Lord with thanksgiving, the, the more solid that wall becomes and it becomes less possible for the anxieties and fears to get through to our hearts. It says, be anxious for no thing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This is recording number 11188 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Foursquare Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning, November 22, 2015. This is the fifth message in a series titled, In This Manner. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, An Imperative. 